Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. And for all you do, thank you for what you're doing in worship. Do you guys like the backdrop? Come on. That was the leadership of Joanne Gomez. <laughs> well, guys, I want you to get your word, the word of God today. I'm going to, you know, you know it's going to be good when the preacher gets fed off of his own message, right? Uh, and I feel a so- sobriety uh, about what I'm going to share. I'm going to warn you right now, disclaimer, uh, this is going to be a heavy message. This is going to be, this is going to be a message that will, that will provoke you. And, I, and as I was studying, it's so good to, to study the Word of God because you yourself are reminded of some of the things that we need to have in our lives. There are certain ingredients that we need to have in our lives that are uh, unavoidable when it comes to our, our walk with God. And in the church today, you're going to hear some, some things today in service that unfortunately the majority of churches don't talk about anymore. We don't talk about uh, things like holiness or sin or anything like that anymore because it's unpopular. But uh, I've been on a series um, that is called um, from, from Calling to Destiny. How many have been a part of this series? Come on, how many have been a part of that? We've been talking about the life of Joseph and how, listen, this is very key before we pray, how Joseph had to face specific character tests. Everybody say character tests. In order for him to go from calling to destiny, listen to me, it's possible that you and I have a calling and never achieve it because we fail character tests along the way. Do you know that just because you have a calling doesn't mean it's automatic that's going to happen in your life? Do you know that means if you have a dream or you have, a, you have something, an idea that God put in your life, do you know that that's not automatic? Even if the Lord sends an angel to prophesy that to you, that is not going to be automatic unless we learn to pass character tests for you to be trusted with positions of authority. Okay? So I want to say this to you because uh, a review, because last week you guys, I mean last week we talked about the pit. Remember that? The first week we talked about uh, the, the pride test, how Joseph had to pass a pride test uh, in order for it, him to continue. Last week we talked about the pit test. How many got ministered to that by that? We talked about the three P's in the pit that we need to address. The position of the pit. In other words, how did I get in this pit in the first place? Many of you texted me and said you have got ministered. You know what? We need to pause and say, how did I get in this position that I'm in? Because in this day and age, it's so easy to blame other people for the pit that we're in. Say amen. So we talked about the position. Everybody say the position. Listen, if you... If you if you are trying to lose weight and you're eating donuts every day, it's not anybody else's fault. If your car's breaking down and you never put oil in it or gas, it's not the car's fault. Why are you in the pit that you're in? That's the, the, the first P. The second P we talked about last week was the perspective of the pit. And we talked about what is God trying to get you and I to see when we're in a pit season? Because we don't see it right, we'll get offended at God. And then the, oh, this is beautiful. And then the third, and then this is where we're going to start. The third, the third P that we addressed last week about uh, the pit is the purpose of the pit. And we talked about Reuben. Remember Reuben, the firstborn? Remember? And we talked about that when all the brothers wanted to throw Joseph in and kill him, Reuben had a secret plan. He said, let's throw him in the pit. But if you read, it says Reuben wanted to put him in the pit because he secretly desired to get him out deliver him and bring him back to the father the purpose of every pit is to deliver you and bring you back to the father now 
Why do I say that? Because we're going to pick up now on the third major test that Joseph had to go through. And I want you to buckle your seatbelts because all of us in this room, whether you've been walking with the Lord for 20 years or six months, are going to have repeated attempts to fail this test. And that is the purity test. Joseph, immediately after he went into the pit, went and got sold as a slave. And then immediately when he was in the palace, there was an opportunity to give in to sexual gratification. Now, I want to say this because we're all adults in here. Fleshly gratification, lust, sexual impurity goes everything that the flesh wants you to do. To avoid it, it goes everything against what your flesh desires and wants you to do. God created sex good in marriage. Good in marriage. But everything else revolving purity and revolving sexual impurity, involving what we see, is seeking to accentuate our flesh and derail us from our walk with God. If you're alive this morning, you have felt the breath of lust and the breath of, of flesh. I don't care if, if you're a man or a woman. I know there's a stereotype that says, well, well men, men, men give more into that. Women have lust problems too, and they have temptations too. So I want you to see, I know it's sobering. It's going to be sobering today. But I want a healthy fear of the Lord to be deep down inside of you regarding this issue. Because as you're going to read, no other sin in the Bible is like the sin of sexual immorality because you're sinning against your own body. Paul the Apostle says there's no other sin like this one. I'm going to show you. Let's pray, can we? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for speaking to us this morning and challenging us to remain pure and pass the purity test. As Joseph passed the purity test, I'm asking that you would give us keys this morning to privately pass the purity test in our minds and our heart, but to physically pass the purity test when we have opportunities. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name, anoint us, anoint the word, and bring a holy conviction and desire to live holy before your eyes. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to go through 6 to 15. It's going to be on the screen in the NLT. If you don't have the NLT in your app, you can look on the screen. And I want you not to be distracted. For the next 50 minutes, I'm going to bring a sobering word to you that I believe is going to set you free. You know, the shouting messages are good, but it's the sobering ones that anchor us. <laughs> I got three amens on that one, but it's okay. Here it goes. Now, this is immediately after the pit, all right? By the way, I just, I'm going to say this because it's just entered my mind. Just because you're married doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted in these areas. Some people say, hey, it's over when I get married. I can do anything I want. No, 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 no. Sometimes it, the pressure gets hotter if you're not anchored in the Lord. Because the enemy will always seek opportunities to derail you in the area of impurity and sexual impurity. Amen, amen. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Remember, this is after the pit. You have to imagine Joseph felt he was abandoned because all that prophecy about the coat of many colors and the, to him, it was the exact opposite. How many of you ever received a prophetic word and the exact opposite happens? 
that's how you know it's a prophetic word from God. The exact, all hell usually break loose right afterwards. Oh, you're going to travel or you're going you're gonna to be blessed financially and your car breaks down. Joseph had this prophetic destiny about the dream, and he shared it with his brothers, and the exact opposite happened. He wasn't ruling over them. He was bound by, uh, by, Egypt, by the Egyptian. He was sold as a slave. Look at this. The verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did and he, as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Verse 3, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Look at, jump down to verse 6. Watch this. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, oh, this is, this is another sermon. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Let me pause. This is not part of this message, but does your boss know that they're better because you're in there? Does, does your job know that it's a better place because a man or woman of God is in their job? Does your boss say, thank God for this woman of God. There's something about it, and the atmosphere changes whenever this person comes in. And, I, and the Bible says that, th- that the Pharaoh didn't have to worry about anything because Joseph, he knew God was with Joseph. All right? That's a whole other message, right? Now look, look at this. Except to eat. Now Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. I, I like to liken myself to Joseph sometimes. A lot of people say, hey, you're going through a Joseph experience. And I, and I read this, and I was like, that's confirmation. <laughs> Very handsome and well-built young man. <laughs> I need to go to Journey Weekend too. So, <laughs> Watch this now. This is a little foreshadow of what I'm about to share with you. Watch this. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look. Everybody say look. At him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. I want to just say it wasn't like snoring together, right? Come sleep with me, she demanded. Look at this. But Joseph refused. Refused. This is the, the, the test that was giving his way to see if he would pass this purity test. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in this entire household. Verse 9, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How, listen this, foreshadow, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be, watch this, not a small, look how Joseph interprets sexual impurity. Look how he interprets it in his mind. Many Christians do not interpret it this way. It would be a great sin against God. It will, listen, what you're asking me to do is not something small. This is a great sin to sleep with you when you're already married. Verse 10, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. You know what, some guys, if that was you, and some woman kept going every day, sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me, and you know you just got abandoned. You felt maybe you got abandoned by God. God wasn't listening to you. You you got sold in a pit, and you're in Egypt, and nobody knows you. You're going to say, you know what, there's no one here. God has abandoned me. This woman keeps asking me to have sex at any time I want. I'm going to get a little something. I know you guys are laughing. But you, you have to understand that to the typical, unfortunately, unfortunately, to the typical person, 
if we kept getting privately pursued in an island that nobody knows about, and you just felt that you got abandoned by God, and this person, whether it's a man or woman, kept pursuing you and say, listen, I'm available anytime you want. The Bible says Joseph refused every time. When there was nobody but Egyptians and God, no Israelites, no friends, nobody knew him, he could have he got away with it. He says, no, this is a great sin against God. Usually impurity, lust, and sexual impurity happens when no one is around that you don't trust, that you trust. Look, look at this. Watch this, watch this. Verse 10, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and kept out of her, as, kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. See this? No one else was around when he went into his work. Verse 12, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away. Again, he had an opportunity. Look at the test. Look at the several tests that Joseph is passing. Foreshadow for you. This is why God eventually trusted him with great authority. Because he kept refusing an opportunity to give into the flesh. She came and grabbed him. Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand. Most of you know this story, and I'm not going to even uh, focus on that part, but just to complete it, verse 13. When, when she saw that she was holding his cloak and had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men running, look, she said, my, my husband brought this Hebrew slave here to, ma- and to make a fool out of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. She, the devil is a liar. When he heard me scream, he ran outside got away, but he left his cloak behind him. I want you to put this slide up. The third major test is the purity test. And listen, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm not just talking to unbelievers. As a matter of fact, it's easy to fail the purity test when you're an unbeliever. Because you have no restraining power. You have no Holy Spirit. You have no little, very little morals, right? But when you're Holy Spirit filled, when you're a born again Christian, There is going to be times in our life where we're going to have to be faced with the purity test. And if you're going out uh, right now as couples, you will know that, that every now and then, the enemy will come and tempt you in this. If you're suffering from loneliness, every now and then, the enemy will offer you gratification by having, by compromising in the area of sexual impurity, sexual gratification. You all ain't saying nothing. I told you this is going to be a, a, a sobering message, but I'm here to help you. I'm not here to get shouts. I'm here to bring the fear of the Lord in our lives. Look at this next slide. One of the biggest character tests that we will all have to face at some point of our lives is the purity test. Failing this test is also one of the main causes for people to fall into a pattern of sin and bondage. And bondage. There will always be multiple opportunities for us to to give in to lust and sexual impurity. I want you to notice how many times Joseph resisted Potiphar's wife. Joseph, time and time again, solved and passed a purity test. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to give you some key values and disciplines that I believe Joseph had inside of him to be able to strengthen him to overcome and pass the purity test. And by the way, newsflash, 
Purity test is not only physically doing it, it's what you're watching with your eyes. When I say purity test, most of you are like, that's not me. I haven't committed adultery. No. If you're looking at pornography and and you're addicted to it, it's not okay. That is not the purity that God wants. And I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's impossible for people to view their spouse in the natural, pure form if we're constantly bound with pornography. Because you will, will label that person in your mind like the image that you see. And you will no longer want to be with your spouse. So values and disciplines that Joseph had to pass a purity test. I'm going to give you about four major ones this morning. Are you ready? All right. The first one is Joseph ran or fled from the house when strong temptations to violate purity was present. Oh, I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to preach this morning. See, some, some, sometimes God wants us to buckle down and fight and stay there and, and resist. And, but I'm here to tell you, when it comes to sexual impurity, sexual gratification, lust, the actual resisting power that you have is to run the opposite direction. The Bible says that when sexual impurity and gratification presented itself day after day in a private setting where no one knew Joseph, the Bible says he fled and he ran. Everybody say he ran. That is consistent with the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where Paul told a young Timothy, he says, I'm going to tell you a secret, Timothy, how to overcome sexual impurity. Run. Flee. Go the opposite direction. If you see kryptonite, don't say I'm bad enough and I'm going. I'm Superman. I'm going to attack kryptonite. I used to tell people all the time, what is what is what is Superman's greatest strength? And they used to say, oh, flying or or you know, I know that sounds childish, but for the point I'm making, you know, speed. I go, no, that that wasn't his greatest strength. His greatest strength was identifying where, identifying where kryptonite was and going the opposite direction. You never see Superman. I know that sounds childish. But just, just 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 go with me. You never see Superman saying, where's kryptonite at? I'm going to prove that I'm strong. See, that's the problem. You can't do it by yourself. You can't prove that you're strong. You've got to run. You've got to. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at this. Listen, listen, listen. Sometimes you got to look at a situation and you're like, oh, Sometimes you're in a situation or sometimes things are getting heated and, and, and you could stay or you could say, we got to stop it. We got we to run. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. See, some of you guys are laughing, but we need to run. The reason why we're failing is because you're entertaining, not running. What did Joseph do, church? He ran. He didn't say, oh, Yahweh right now, give me strength to say no to this. But I'll stay here, though, because she keeps, no, 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 no. Read the book, read the book, read the book, read the book. First Corinthians 6, look what it says. Look what it says. Don't you realize whew, that your bodies are actually part of Christ? You want the fear of God? You want the fear of God? Your body is part of Christ's body. Should I, should I make, take a body, verse, verse 15, which is part of Christ and join it to a prostitute? Never. 
And don't you realize that if a man has joined himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. I know this is a difficult message, but this is not preached anymore in America. He becomes, listen, listen, one body with her. One, one. If you join, watch this. For the scripture says there are the, the two are united in one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Do you know that you are one spirit with Jesus when you got born again? And yet we are defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit when we're one with Jesus and we're defiling Christ. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Run from sexual. Everybody say run. Come on, say run. One more time, run. That's what Joseph did. Run from sexual sin. Listen, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Keep going, keep going. Verse 19. All right, I'll just look here. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And do not belong, and do you not belong to yourself? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. Watch this. So you must honor God with your body. The Bible says, flee and run. The first thing that you and I have to do, if it's pornography, run from that thing. Talk to someone trusted about and run from it. Don't try to sit there in the dark and fight it. Most likely you will lose. This is exactly what Joseph did. I could imagine Joseph saying, you know what? God let me down. Have have you guys ever felt... What happens, I'm going to give you a test. What happens in your life when you've been believing for something for a long time? You had a promise, you had a dream. The exact opposite happens, and you start doubting the promises of God. Isn't it a little bit honest? Let's just be honest with each other. There's just a little bit of a chance that we could get a little bit upset with God. What happens when we get upset with God? I'll tell you. Your conviction level drops. Your your resistant level drops. Why? Because now you want some dessert. Like, I've worked out. I've proven to God that I've been with him for a long time. And he's still disappointed. He still allowed that pit, my brothers to throw me in a pit. Now all of a sudden, God says, okay, I'm going to be silent. I'm going to give you now an opportunity to disobey me. Listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to disobey me because it's going to feel good to your flesh. And it's been a long time since you felt good because you felt abandoned. That's the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of the enemy. Voice of the enemy. You've been abandoned by God. God is not with you. Look at all that thing. You must have ate too much ice cream last night. That was not a dream from God. That was just your own desire. No no one's going to bow down to you. Look, look, if God is with you, why were you sold by your brothers? God didn't rescue you. All of a sudden, while you're hearing that, hey, girl, I mean, hey, boy, how you doing? Hey, why don't you sleep with me? No, 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 I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, it's, not, it's not right. No, he didn't say, he don't think so. He said, this is great wickedness before God. The Lord doesn't want us to fall into this trap. Because impurity, when you give into it, will lodge itself in your mind if you're not careful. And it will take sometimes years of unwinding things in your mind and how you see things from an impure state, and it's got you bound. Bondage is not only drugs. Bondage is addictions of every kind, including sexual. 
We're all adults this morning, right? So the first discipline that Joseph had was he ran. Learn to run. Learn to exercise the discipline of going the opposite direction. Especially, let me just give you a clue, especially if you're weak in that area. If you know you're weak, you have to, listen, I heard someone say this one time. You have to treat this like if you were an alcoholic. It's like, what would happen if an alcoholic would just go to a bar and watch everybody drink? I, I ain't going to do anything. I, ju- I, I just, I haven't been to a bar in a long time. And I was bound by alcohol. I just want to watch everybody drink. What's going to happen? You're going to be in an atmosphere that will accentuate your desires and and cause you to trip up. Run. Don't go near that area. Can I hear an amen? Now, here's a second discipline. The second discipline that Joseph, I feel, had in the valley was, now, this is where I'm going to, this is, this is the sobering part, what I'm going to say, okay? This right here, I want you to pay attention. Look at the second, look at the second uh, uh, point. Joseph was able to resist the temptations of sexual immorality or fleshly impurity because Joseph had a deep fear of the Lord inside of him. Listen to this. Joseph had a deep fear of the Lord inside of him. The reason I know that Joseph had a deep fear of the Lord, because it doesn't say, and Joseph had a fear of the Lord. No, the reason I know is because the way that Joseph interpreted what some of us call casual, all in the name of God is merciful and God is gracious. He interpreted sexual impurity or sexual gratification in the wrong way as not a small sin. He says, how dare I do this? This will be great sin against God. This is how I know that a fear, a healthy reverence of the Lord dominated his heart to be able to say no. Listen, listen, this is very important. Those people that have a true reverence and healthy, pure fear of the Lord inside of them will never take the love and grace of God for granted all in the name of God is great and gracious and merciful. Some people who have a great revelation of grace and mercy sometimes are, are, are subliminally excusing some of their actions because of their revelation of God's grace and mercy that he forgives that we take the fear of the Lord for granted. But people who have the fear of the Lord in them will never take the love of God or the grace of God for granted either because they know it's a gift from God to stay holy, to empower you. Watch this. Look this next slide up. The, the person that only has the love of God in them, don't stone me for this. I'm trying to give you a healthy, healthy balance. There's always a camp that says, well, it's the love of God. Yes, it is. It's both. It's both. It's not just the love of God. We have this movement. It's just the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. Well, how about the fear of the Lord? Let's throw away the Bible then if it's only the love of God and not the fear of the Lord. Listen, for a person that only has the love of God in them but doesn't have the fear of God in them, will be incomplete and will ultimately fail the purity test. Look at what the fear of the Lord will produce in us. A couple of scriptures. And then I'm going to explain to you in a nutshell what the fear of the Lord is. And you're going to be wrecked by this. I was. All right. Just a couple of scriptures on, on um, what the fear of the Lord will produce in us. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 6. Are you getting something this morning? Proverbs 16, verse 6. Unfailing. See, as a pastor, I need to, I need to preach these tough messages sometimes. Because we need to grow. God desires us to live holy. Can I hear an amen? Listen, look at Proverbs 16, verse 6. You could take notes or you could take a picture of it. Unfailing love and, un, and faithfulness, sorry, unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. 
By fearing the Lord, people avoid or run evil. If I saw a lion and they're, and they're strapped by just a rope, I'm not going to trust that rope. If that rope is there and that lion is growling and salivating, here's what most Christians do. I want to see, see how close I can get to that lion. <laughs> whoa, 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 hey. Sooner or later, that rope will snap and that lion will devour you. Be sober, be alert, for the devil, your adversary, roams around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. All right? Look at Proverbs 3, verse 7. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, what? What? Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Do you see the pattern here? Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. To fear the Lord is to turn away from evil. Okay? Watch this. Then you will have healing in your body. And strength for your bones. In other words, these scriptures illustrate that it's the fear of the Lord that is the main ingredient to help us to turn away from evil. It's a healthy fear and reverence of the Lord. Now, I'm going to break that down. Uh, look at this, script, this, this uh, point, and then we're going to break down what is the fear of the Lord. Because this is important. The fear of the Lord was a main ingredient in Joseph's life. And without that, he could not have passed the purity test. If you, I'm going to say something that's going to cause some of you to not like me. If you only have a revelation of the love of Jesus, which is so beautiful, and the grace of God, which is so amazing, you will have an excuse to say, I could do that. And because God's love is so great, because God's love is so vast, because his mercy is so good, he understands that I have a weakness. I want to forgive. I ask forgiveness, and he'll forgive me. Will God forgive you if you ask for forgiveness? Absolutely. If we keep on doing this, all in the name of God is just going to forgive me and don't have a healthy fear of the Lord, we will never get out of this bondage that we're in. We will never consistently pass the purity test if we lack the fear of the Lord in our lives. Say that with me. That was the, the next slide. I will never pass the purity test if I lack the fear of the Lord in my life. Think about that. Think about that. What did Joseph do, guys? I'm going to share with this. You're going to shout in just a second, all right, what the fear of the Lord is. Okay, now this is not going to be on your screens, but I want you to take notes. This, this is probably the most powerful portion of my sermon right here. What is the fear of the Lord then? What is the fear of the Lord? If, 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 the, if the fear of the Lord is to resist evil, what is the fear of the Lord? Okay, I'm going to give you about three or four main points of what is the fear of the Lord in a nutshell. Are you ready? But you need to write this down because it's not going to be on the screen. Number one, the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs 9 verse 10. When we embrace wisdom, everybody say wisdom. We will become people that walk in integrity and honor. We will walk in nobility and dignity. When we embrace wisdom, wisdom will tell you you shouldn't be in this place at this hour, at this time. There was a time that I was getting a, a, a massage uh, in, in another city for, uh, for my nerve pain, and I just didn't feel right. I just didn't feel right. And uh, I was booking this, and it was like, like, I'm not trying to be funny, but it was like in the hood. You know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit just says, don't go. Don't go. And so I'm like, well, you know, to the pure, all things are pure. I, I need something to relieve this nerve pain. But as I got closer to that time, I felt uneasy. And I said, and I canceled. I, I just didn't show up. I said, I'm not, I'm not showing up. Why? 
because you never know what is going to happen. You have to have wisdom to be able to discern what places you should be in and what places you should not be in. Let me tell you something. Ladies, husbands, that's how emotional affairs start. It's in the office. You don't have wisdom. So you're starting to, you're starting to flirt with that secretary or that coworker, and you end up having an emotional affair with that person because you didn't take heed of the voice of wisdom that says, run, this is not right, you shouldn't be there by yourself, you can't do this on your own. Wisdom will cause you to walk in integrity. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Watch this. It's the beginning of wisdom, all right? Number two, the fear of the Lord translates. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. The fear of the Lord translates into immediate obedience, not casual obedience based on the love of God and the grace of God. Let me say this with me. Fear, the fear of the Lord translates. Everybody say this after me. Say the fear of the Lord translates into immediate obedience. Listen, I'm saying immediate because there's so many people that lag in their obedience because their flesh really doesn't want to be obedient in that area. Everybody say immediate. The fear of the Lord inside an individual will say, I have to get this right now. I can't delay obedience any longer. And that's not only for impurity. It's also get your marriage right. It's also get your life right. It's also get some things that are happening in your life right. It's immediate. Now watch this. You guys remember Abraham? Abraham? You guys remember Abraham? I'm going to give you you three things that prove the fear of the Lord. I'm going to give you the command from God. Everybody say the command. I'm going to give you the obedience. And I'm going to give you the reason for the, the obedience. And you'll see it's all connected. Look at Genesis chapter 22 this morning. Look at this. This is good stuff. I'm going to give you filet mignon this morning, okay? Verse 1 through 3, then 9 through 12. We must get back to purity. If you're there, say amen. Open your Bibles, Genesis 22, verse 1 through 3. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Now, here's the command. Here's the command. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Hello? Your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, this is God speaking, and go out into the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, let's pause before you go to the next verse. I don't care. I'm going to be honest. I'll be like, oh, wait a minute. Hold up, God. Hold up for one minute right here. I know you're, but listen, listen, listen. I must, are are you sure this is God? God didn't tell him, hey, Abraham, I'm going to test your faith. No, God told himself, I'm going to test him to see what happens. Hey, that son that you've been waiting for for 100 years, 100 years, remember, you've been crying out. I want you to sacrifice that son. Now, I'll be honest, if that was me, I'd go, oh, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Right, right. I'm listening to the devil right now, and God's like, no, it's not the devil, it's me. Now, I want you to look at the very next verse, very next verse. Look at this, look at this. Here is the immediate obedience. I want to tell you why in a second. The next morning. God, catch that. The next morning, not the next year. Not the next month. Oh, I'm, I'm going to labor on this. I'm going to fast to see if God, God really spoke this to me. I'm going to ask for confirmation because, you know, this is something that I, no. He said, okay. My son? Yes, your son. The next morning. The next morning, Abraham got up early. 
saddled his donkey and took two of his servants, are you kidding me, with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, a burnt offering, and set out the place God had told him about. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar. He was immediately obedient. Watch this. And arranged on the wood for it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and told him, and tied him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Here is the reason for the immediate obedience. Are you ready for this? He's about to do it. He's about to execute the command as crazy as it is. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Watch this, guys. You're going to shout. The angel said, don't lay hands on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now, I know that you fear God. Wait, wait, wait. He didn't say, now I know that you love God. He said, don't hurt the boy. Now I know you fear God because there's immediate obedience when I told you to do something that went everything against your carnal mind. Sometimes God is telling you to treat someone differently and in love when they don't deserve to be treated that way. It goes against everything in your carnal mind. No, they did all this stuff to me. No, they did this stuff to me. No, 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 no. If you get to a place where you are obedient immediately, even when someone doesn't deserve it, you will see change happen fast. Because God rewards quick obedience. Not delayed obedience. He doesn't want delayed obedience. As a matter of fact, if we have delayed obedience, it's because we have an unhealthy view of the fear of God in our lives. Yeah, it'll happen later. Well, God will forgive me later. Well, if I do this later, no. The Bible says that Abraham did it immediately. Say immediately. All right? Look at this. Now, the third thing of the fear of the Lord. The third thing of the fear of the Lord is this. The fear of the Lord is the key to intimately knowing God. Now, don't worry about those, those horns out there. Let's just focus here. Number three, the fear of the Lord is the key to knowing God intimately. Wait, 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 wait. I said it right. Listen to me. Focus. The fear of the Lord, say that with me. The fear of the Lord is the key to knowing God intimately. Well, Pastor George, this is where you messed me up. This is where I don't believe in that. Okay, I'll tell you. Proverbs 1, verse 7, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What knowledge? The Bible says in the next chapter, it's the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Chapter 2 in Proverbs says, that knowledge is the knowledge of God. Remember he also says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember that? Remember that? Look at Proverbs verse 2, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to go there because some of you looking at me like I have a, a, a roach on my head, but it's okay. Look at Proverbs 2. You're like. My son. Watch this. Proverbs 2 verse 1. If you receive my words and treasure my commands with you so that you incline your ear to. What? Shout it. To what? To wisdom. What's the beginning of wisdom? What's the beginning of wisdom? What's the beginning of wisdom? And you apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for that and discernment, you lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the, of the Lord 
and find the knowledge of God. You understand the fear of the Lord, and when you understand the fear of the Lord, you'll find the knowledge of God. So the fear of the Lord is a starting place of intimacy. Now, I'm going to say this really, this, I, I, I probably said this whole thing to get your attention because some of you are doubting to say this one controversial thing, okay? The fear of God is not, I'm going to explain myself. The fear of God is not to be afraid of God in the sense that because God is almighty, he's unapproachable or, or, he, or we can't approach him. To fear God is not to be scared of God because that would defeat the purpose of the foundation of intimacy. If you're scared of someone, you don't want to be near them. If you're afraid in the sense of they're going to do harm to you, the last thing you want to do is be intimate with that person. So the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of God in the sense of not wanting God to be near you. The person that is scared of God, watch this, hides from God. That's why Adam, when he sinned, he hid from the presence of the Lord. Watch this, watch this, watch this. The person that is scared hides from God. But the person who fears God has nothing to hide and is scared to be away from God. A person that is scared of God... Scared of intimacy, scared of what he's going to do like Adam, he hid. Is, is, that's a difference. But a person who fears God is scared to be away from God. Watch this. Look, look at this. This is powerful. This is powerful. In other words, look at this. Look at this. Look at this, this slide. The person, in other words, the fear of the Lord is to be terrified to be away from God. The fear of the Lord is to be terrified to lose that intimacy with God. Oh! In other words, a person, Joseph, fleed sexual immorality because he was terrified to be away from God because of the great sin that that would cause. The fear of God is not to be scared of God in the sense of lacking intimacy. The fear of God is this, I'm terrified to be away from him. That's why I don't do what I want to do. That's why I don't give in to my flesh. That's why I don't have this opportunity because I don't want, I'm terrified to be away from God. The true fear of the Lord is I am terrified to not be with God. That's the true fear of the Lord. And that's what Joseph had. He said, there's no way that five minutes of pleasure will throw away my intimacy with God. There's no way that ten minutes of pleasure is going to throw everything down the drain of my relationship with God. Yet many of us, we fail that test. We may not do it physically, but we do it with our eyes and we do it with our heart. We do it with our mind. We don't see lust as a great sin against God. We don't see sexual impurity as great wickedness. That tells us that we don't have a healthy fear of the Lord anymore in our lives. Joseph, how dare I do that? This will be great sin against God. Whew. Now look at this. I'm almost closing here. The third main discipline that Joseph had. Now I want you to see this. Because again, this is going to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Put that third slide up. The, th- the third main discipline that Joseph had and all of us need to have in order to pass a purity test 
is found in our eyes. Now, I want you to really look at this. I've done a lot of studying, a lot of comparing with uh, biblical scholars on this. And I want you to say this, because most people, including myself, have always taught that, that lust always starts in the, on the heart. And, and definitely that's true. Lust affects the heart. But where does it begin and where does it come into the heart? Wait, 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 wait. Before you stone me, before you throw anything at me. I'm not talking about before you got saved. I'm talking about after you get saved. You're regenerated. Your heart is clean. Your mind is clean. You're being renewed by the word of God. How does lust get in the heart? Not by osmosis. Not because it's the old sin nature. Because you've already been saved. It comes through your eyes. Your eyes are the gates to your heart. Your eyes somehow, you know how many young men that I've talked to and they fall into pornography? I said, what was the common denominator? They said, Pastor George, I was doing good for six months, but I saw a commercial. I saw something that sparked my curiosity. I saw an image and it made me not have the discipline to stop. So I kept going. The eyes are the windows to your soul. Because if you're undisciplined, listen, if we have a lust problem, we have a looking problem. How does lust get in the heart? Through what you see. Because if you look at kids, they're totally innocent. They're totally innocent. They had no reason to, to say, I, I, was, I, was, I was babysitting Nicole's girls uh, this week, and they're just so, so innocent. So innocent. They can look at something, they're like, no, no, what, what is that? Right? But when you look at something, do you know the Bible says in another version that Potiphar's wife had longing eyes for her? Remember what we said in the first scripture? I read it again fast. Listen, so you wouldn't see. I told you there was a foreshadow. How did lust start with Potiphar? The Bible says Potiphar's wife looked at him to lust. That means you could look not to lust. The Bible says it's in the look. Come on, everybody say the look. All lust is birthed in the heart. It begins with the eyes and is proven by Scripture. Look at Genesis. Well, you don't have to go there. Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. You know why she lusted? Because she looked. Somebody say, don't look. Don't look. So for some people, all it takes is one look and you're hooked. All it takes. So to some of you who are weak in this area, you have to treat this like if you were an alcoholic. You have to stay. That one, to an alcoholic, if you just have one drink... It could spiral you back into that place. You have to have the fear of the Lord. Learn to look away. Because if you don't look away, you'll lust away. It's up there on the screen. It's going to be up there on the screen. Learn to look away. This is a spiritual muscle. It don't happen. Like the angel of the Lord is not going to be like, hey, <laughs> hey, what's happening with my eyes? He's not going to force your eyes. You have to look away. At night when no one's looking and the voice says, open that sight, look away. When you see someone coming and, there's, and in your office or in the street or whatever, look away. Look away. Look away. Come on, say look away. Look at Matthew chapter 5. I'm, I'm almost done. This is, are you getting something this morning? Look at Matthew 5. Look at what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus said. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Again, some of you are like, that's not me. I didn't do that. <laughs> but I say to you, I want you to look at this as if you're reading it for the first time. Whoever, come on, shout with me. Looks. Looks. at a, 
No, notice that it's the look first, the progression. Watch this. Whoever looks at a woman to lust, that means you can look at a woman not to lust. If you look at a woman with the intent to lust, for her already you have committed adultery with her in your heart. So that's a progression. You know what a progression is? You can't have the last thing without the first thing. It builds on each other. So watch this. The progression of this starts like this. Looking, lusting, adultery. In your heart. And sometimes in actions. That's why there's a war over your eyes. All of heaven and all of hell are after your eyes. The living creatures in the Bible, the Bible says they were all filled with eyes. They were looking and beholding the one. That's why I believe the most powerful statement in all the Bible is when John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world because you become what you behold. Whatever you're beholding, you become. Whatever you look at, you'll become. Whatever, listen, whatever you gaze at, it, it, will, it will dominate your mind if you keep on looking at that. If you look at perversion, you will act out perversion. But if you look at righteousness, you will start acting out righteousness. You will start wanting to live holy. Behold the Lamb. Look at Him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Listen, looking empowers lust. I remember one time, and I said this before, I was saying it to Jody, when we were, uh, this was years ago, when I think 2003, 2004, I went and, and I was a youth pastor, and I took a team to Brazil, and I went to Brazil, and you know, praise God for those Brazilians, I know we have some Brazilians here, glory to God, come on, we went to the favelas, yeah, we went there, right, and so the favelas is just like, I guess the hood, right, slums, uh, project, whatever, right, so I took, a, I took a team of young people. Now, now listen, you got a whole bunch of testosterone and all, about, all that stuff with a bunch of teenagers, right? So I took a team there, and I'll never forget, we were in Brazil. Now, listen, Brazil is awesome, but also the culture there, I mean, some of the women, they were just, just like half naked. I mean, it wasn't like bathing suits. It was like dental floss that they had. I mean, it's like, it's not really a bathing suit. I mean, it's just like, it's like a little boss, so, so we're walking. No, 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 true story. We're walking. We're walking, and there's a whole bunch of teenagers with me, 2004, right? And, and we're walking, and all of a sudden, we were like, like <laughs> oh, this is a bad analogy, but we, we, were, like, we were like a posse, right? And all of a sudden, see, they, 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 we had just finished ministry. These are, these are people like teenagers, young adults, and they're uh, their first mission trip. We're on the street, and oh, my God, the power of God came. And they're like, oh, my God, high-fiving. I'm walking, and, and I'm, I, I'm a person I, for, I foresight. I'm walking, like, yeah, yeah. And I look way in the distance. There's this girl that could be like, like, I mean, super tight dress up to here. I, you, you can see it from a distance. As a shepherd, I said, I need to do something fast so that this won't be a stumbling block for my team. Come on, everybody say Run. Everybody say, look away. So I said, hey, let's go. The church was that way. And I go, hey, guys, we're going to go this way. Pastor George, no, you're wrong. The church is that way. I know. We're going to go this way. But why? Just trust me. We're going to go this way. (laughs) But Pastor George, the church is there. I know that. We're going to go this way. So we went this way, right? And it took longer, right? People were hot. All of a sudden, listen, this is a true story. All of a sudden, Heather, I never heard Heather, Heather, Heather Botero, she, she was with me that day. And, and she gets, you know, there's certain people that were perceptive, right? So we're just going out of that thing. Listen, in their eyes, nothing happened. In my eyes, I just saved something from happening. I protected this, the young people from an opportunity to lust. Now watch this, watch this. I got there. We finally got there to that place. 
And Heather goes, I saw what you did. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I saw what you did. I said, what do you say? What do you mean? She goes, I saw that girl too. You went the opposite direction because you saw her coming, right? I go, yeah, I did. And then she said this. She says, I just want you to know I was watching. She was watching. She saw my actions. People are watching you, whether you know they're watching you or not. People are watching your actions, how you flirt. People are watching you, how you be obedient. People are watching to see how you resist. I want the worship team to come up. She says, I want you to know I was watching. Do you know that we could ruin someone's life if we're in positions of leadership? If we don't have the fear of the Lord in our lives? Do you know that part of our responsibility? Do you know that this scripture blew me away, guys? Check this out. It's not going to be in your screen, but just, this is just overflow here. I was reading the scriptures the other day, and I read this a million times. I read it for the first time, and I said, oh, my God. And I shared it with my staff. Do you know that Bible says in John 17, I believe it's in John 17, where Jesus was praying. He's praying to the Father. And you know what he says in his private prayer? Are you ready for this? He said, and, and this is going to lead to... to to the, the next, last final points. He's praying. And this is Jesus. Never sinned in his life. He said, Father, I sanctify myself so they may be sanctified. I sanctify myself so they could be sanctified. Which leads me to my last three points. If we give in to sexual impurity, if we give in to immorality, if we give in to lust, the first, one of the first things that sexual immorality, sexual impurity, sexual gratification, lust will affect, it will affect your family. But going back to that, going, I'm going I'm to go back to that because I got ahead of myself. We're talking about the eyes. Everybody say eyes. I'm going to shoot off and, and the team back there, I want you to just put these scriptures up. Here are a couple of supporting scriptures regarding the eyes. Everybody say eyes. Now look at Psalm 101. I'm just going to get it real quick. Four scriptures with you. Supporting scriptures for the eyes. Here it goes. Psalm 101 verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not call, come near to me. Proverbs 27 verse 20. These are all going to be real quick scriptures. In the NIV, look at this. Death and destruction are never satisfied and neither our human eyes. Did you ever read that? In the NLT, it doesn't say it that way. In the NL, sorry, in the NIV, which we don't have back there, in the NIV says it says death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. I'm reading word for word from the Bible. Neither are human eyes. That means your eyes will never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. It just wants more. Wants more. But it depends on what you give it. It depends on what more it wants. You give it lust, it wants more lust. You give it holiness, it wants more holiness. You give your eyes holiness. You give your eyes righteousness, it will desire right. Oh, 
You give your eyes compassion, you'll desire compassion. You give your eyes love, you will desire love. Your eyes dictate the mood. And I'm going to prove it scripturally for those of you who think, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Matthew 6, 22. Are you ready for this? This is the gangster scripture here. Here it is. Here it is. This is proof that whatever we feed our eyes will determine if we're dark or light. Jesus says the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. Your whole body is full of light. If your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. Keep going. But if your eye is bad, your eye, eye, everybody say eye. I'm not talking about your physical 2020 vision. I'm talking about your spiritual, what you allow to see. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You wonder why you struggle with darkness? Examine what you're looking at. Examine what you're beholding. Examine what you're entertaining when no one's looking. I know this is a deep message, but I want to help you overcome. Stop looking. I know, I know, and it's sobering. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Job 31, verse 1. In the NIV, NIV, I made a covenant with my eyes. Wait a minute. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Hebrew people knew the power of covenant. Americans don't. Hebrew people knew that you don't break a covenant. They, they, they considered it sacred. Job was like, you know what? I'm going to go a step further. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a covenant on myself. But the covenant will start with my eyes. Mm. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at another woman. Women, you say that and you say it the opposite. I will not look. I will not look. So number one, if we fail this test, number one, it will affect your family. Everybody say Family. If I say family, come on, say family. David fell in sexual impurity in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Watch this. Two chapters later, one of his sons, Amnon, fell with a half, his half-sister, Tamar. You know what I believe? I believe that David was so blind by his own addiction that he couldn't see that it was translating into his sons. David had lust problems. He was a king. He looked at someone that was married and he knew it was wrong. And not only did he plan and plot to have adultery, he killed the husband. Two chapters later, one of his sons is suffering from perversion. I'm I'm not not talking about just sexual immorality. Sexual immorality with his half-sister. Don't tell me. Don't tell me unrepentant. Immorality and impurity does not affect your family. You know how else it affects your family? It will affect your marriage. Got quiet over here. I know, I know. This is not not a shouting message at all. I'm not coming down on people who have a weakness with this. I'm not. But I'm not saying that it's okay for you to stay in that weakness. It will affect. It will affect how you view 
your family. It will affect how you view your spouse. All of a sudden, you have an image that your spouse is not there anymore because you have an image of that fantasy. And because that fantasy is no longer your spouse, you can't look at your spouse with purity and appreciation because you're bound with what you looked in your eyes. So number one, if we fail this test, it will affect your family. Do you know how many pastors I know of? Pastors, leaders. I won't say their name because that's not, that's not the right thing to do. Because God forgave them. But many of them in the last year, if I would say their names, many of you know who they are. They stepped down from ministry because they were leading from an empty place. They were leading from an empty place. They were empty. And when sexual desires came, they failed the test. And all that they worked for, all these years, all the influence in one minute, gone. They stepped down from ministry, leading thousands of people. They're not in leadership anymore. But if that's what have to happen to save your soul, then so be it. That's number one. You have to realize that the biggest lie of the enemy is says that you're never going to be free from this. You will. Number two. I only have two more points and then I'm done. If you fail this test, number two, impurity and lust in your actions and your thoughts will affect your faith. So it not only affects your family, it affects your walk with God. Here's what happens. Sexual impurity, lust, gratification, however you want to fill in the blanks, will open doors for every other sin in your life. You know what sexual impurity and lustful impurities will open up the door for? It will open up the door for lies, deception, darkness. You say, why? Because a person that is doing that has to do everything in secret. So you, so you train yourself to be deceptive. You train yourself to be even deceptive with God and you're no longer convinced that that is a great wickedness before God. Nobody, I know this sounds funny, it trains you. Sexual impurity tra trains you to lie. No young person that's doing this, no young adult or young person that's doing this is still living in their house and their mom says, where are you going? We're going to have sex. We'll be back at 11. Okay, son, come back. No one does that. No one does that. Right? Hey, mom, we're just going to fornicate and we'll, we'll, be back. we'll be back at 11. Okay, son, see you at 11. No, you lie. Oh, watch this, watch this. It sounds funny, but I'm not trying to be funny. That lie now becomes a habit, so you come to church and lift up your hands to God while your heart is covered. Your heart is covered, but you're lifting your hands to God because now you're convinced it's okay to come to church, lift up my hands, I never deal with this situation here. Does God still love you? Yes. Can you still worship God? Yes. But you cannot be convinced at the lie that says you have to you, have, you can't deal with this. You must deal with it. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't, not only will it affect your family, it will affect how you view God. All these thoughts of condemnation will flood. You know, you've been there. Flood your heart. And you're like, I can't even lift up my hands. I, don't want, I, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. We need to deal with impurity. God is calling us back to purity. Not perfection. Purity and holiness. I, I told you it was going to be a sobering message. I told you. 
And last but not least, this is the last point. The last point is if we fail this test, if we, impurity and lust in your actions and thoughts will affect your future. Now, a couple of mistakes won't cancel your calling. I'm going to say that right now. Look at David. He messed up. He had to suffer consequences, but he fulfilled his calling. Right? But if you continue down that path, if you continue down that path without repentance, if you continue down that path, it is impossible for you to fulfill your calling if you don't deal with the lust issue, with the impurity issue, with the looking issue, with the flirting issue. You got to learn how to run. Today, God is calling us back to the fear of the Lord. Well, how do you do it, Pastor George? Three things. If you struggle with this, confess it to God. Watch, this is going to be unconventional, but I'm telling you, confess it to your spouse. Don't hide anything from them. Listen, if a man is struggling with this, the first person you should trust is your spouse. And ladies, please, if your, man, if your husband says, I'm struggling with this, don't condemn him. Because the fact that he got, he was embarrassed enough to tell you that he is struggling with this proves that, that love is not the issue. It was lust that was the issue. I feel the Holy Spirit here, man. I'm telling you right now. What happens is people open up to their spouse and then their spouse says, you don't love me. No, it's because I love you that I'm trusting you with this. A man doesn't translate other weaknesses of the flesh of his wife as they don't love her, as she doesn't love him. Like, in other words, if a woman says, babe, I've been fasting sweets for three months, I just need, I just need some donuts. I need one dozen donuts. I, 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 I have a weakness. I just, I, I need some donuts. That doesn't translate as she doesn't love me. But when a man does that to his wife, it translates as love me. No, no, no. It translates, he's open enough to say, I need help. Don't condemn your spouse if you are one of the only ones that they're trusting with this information. Confess to the Lord. Confess to your spouse. Repent of it. Close the door. Close the door. Start all over again. If you've fallen, there is hope. David fell, and there was hope. If you're here this morning, and you've had a problem with this, I know this is a sensitive topic. God desires to set you free. And some of us, I know this is going to be deep. I wasn't planning on sharing what I'm about to share, so hopefully there's not any kids here. But some of us, the door has been opened for us when we were children through molestation or something wrong. And it opened these doors. But God is still saying, you can still be clean. You can still be pure. If you turn and run, if you have a covenant with your eyes, you can live holy. You can live free. Those of you who have struggled with this, and some of you, I can sense it, has almost destroyed your marriage. 
If there's a confession, especially ladies, do not, do not think that he doesn't love you if he's confessing it. It's because he loves you that he's confessing. Just like the woman, when she says, I need a donut, it doesn't translate to the man, she doesn't love me. It just says, I'm weak and I'm confessing this to you. I want everyone to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to want the Lord to deal with you in this. I want to ask the Lord to have a healthy fear of the Lord. A healthy fear of the Lord that Joseph said, I will not, I will not do this great sin, wickedness against the Lord, even when he had every right to do it. I'm going to tell you this prophetically. If you're struggling, most likely you're struggling in the dark. But here's a phrase that I want you to say. If we're struggling, let's struggle together. Let's struggle together. Involve your spouse. Involve people of high accountability. Don't leave it in the darkness. It's time to get free from sexual impurity. It's time to get free from the dominating clutches of lust. Let's close our eyes. Just let the Lord minister to you right now. Let the Lord deal with you. Say, Lord, give me the fear of the Lord in this area. Come on. Come on, say, Lord, give me the fear of the Lord in this area. Give me the fear of the Lord in this area. There's only one word to describe. Yes, yes, yes. Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. Come on, he's after holiness. He's after your heart right now. Holy He's after purity in your heart. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of third chances. Come on. We're going to get it right this morning. Lord, we want a healthy fear of the Lord in the area of holiness and purity. Sexual purity. Holy Lord.
want to close your eyes. You know, this is a, a hard pill to swallow for many of you. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.